Welcome to Winging It Motown Radio. I'm your host, Kyle. Uh, tonight, we've got JJ and Graham. we got the uh, skeleton crew tonight. Everybody else is out cheering for the Bruins and the Panthers, even though they lost, and the Lightning and the Flyers. Whatever. Um, guys, how are you? This is the greatest night ever. You mean that? No, I do not. No. I didn't think. But I appreciate you trying to make us all feel better. Graham? Um, filled with murderous rage. Yes, that was the que- that was the answer I was looking for. I'm doing fine. I'm surviving in terms of sports. Everything else is great. Life is good. You know, just sports is whatever. But um, so yeah, I mean, we're just gonna jump right in um, to the most recent events. Uh, that being uh, getting our asses handed to us by the Chicago Blackhawks back to back. Um, even though maybe one of the games we didn't technically get our asses handed to us, we lost four to one. So on paper, on uh, on you know when you look at it, it looks like you got your ass handed to you. Um, I don't know, guys. There's a lot of thoughts to be had, but I mean, when it comes down to it, Chicago is a team who is armed to the teeth uh, right now. You know, they were buyers at the deadline. They I don't know. They added like four different players. Um, they are a they were a really good team before the trade deadline and now they are just stacked so um do we really think that we should overreact at a time like this after losing back to back you know on a home you know home home with against them is that something that you know fans should be concerned about well it's a little late to worry about whether or not we should be overreacting (laughs) based on the last day worth of internet comments i don't know i think that it was a uh i'm gonna take the the bright side road of this and say it was a good wake up call for the Red Wings that uh, they've been, they know they've been a mediocre team and they know, like, even that little win streak that they got going on was, I don't want to say smoke and mirrors, but it wasn't exactly terribly impressive. And they came and they played two, uh, honestly, decent games against Chicago that fell apart. And it's a good reminder. And I remember when, you know, the Red Wings thought they were, they were hot shit in the mid 90s and then. They got their asses handed to them, and they they, they all kind of said after that was all over. It's like it was a reminder of exactly how much more we had to do. We thought we were real good, and that uh, that was a lesson to us. I think these last two games against the Hawks where they, they played well, but they couldn't finish, and special teams bit them in the ass, and they just kind of fell apart at key moments of the game is a good reminder that if you think you're hot shit, this is one of the top five teams in the league. Um, if you want a chance, you've got – one month to get your shit figured out. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, the, you know, the Blackhawks are one of the best, I mean, if not the best team in the league right now. Um, I mean, they're not a team really to mess around with. So the, the game that they played first uh, in Detroit, it was, you know, the Red Wings didn't look so hot, in my opinion. They really didn't play well. And then they come back. Um, you know, they let up that in that second game and they let up that goal 21 seconds into Patrick Kane, which is e- even though it was a two on one, um, Razik should have stopped that. Uh, no doubt about it. So I don't know. And then from there, after that, after they, you know, they scored the second goal after that, the uh, the Red Wings really took over that game. So in my opinion, it was sort of a moral victory from there. But after that, you know, it was just, you know, they just kind of, I don't know. Let up, you let up two extra goals, and the game was over at that point. So whatever, uh, Graham. What about you? Um, 
I mean, I think it's um, probably a, a kind of a bit of a microcosm of their season in that if they don't get like insanely good goaltending against good teams, they don't have much of a shot mm-hmm. at winning because Mrazek was very ordinary over those two games. Uh, he let in a couple goals against uh, in the first game that probably were stoppable. That Kane goal, he's he's got to make that save. I mean, it went yeah. through him. So that early in the game, uh, Kane's a hell of a player, but you know you got to make the shot he, he didn't even fake it. he was he was shooting the whole way so um and then uh you know they like in the uh, sunday game they got it to two to one and they had that glorious chance when athanasiu passed it back to Polkadin, mm-hmm. and Polkadin shoots it right into seabrook's fat ass so i mean that was like i mean like that if there was a visual representation of Polkadin's season that was it right there you know this right, beautiful yeah. chance and he buries it in a defenseman that's not even facing him who's barely into his own goalie um, you know, but in both games, the same thing happened. The Red Wings were playing decent. Crawford was making some good to keep the minute. And then the Red Wings took a penalty, gave up a power play goal, and that was the end of the game. Yeah. Because their their special teams just kill them when they need them to come up. And the power play has been a, a tire fire all season. So, I mean, it's at this point, at this point, if they score a power play goal, that's that's a miracle. But the uh, the penalty kill now granted Chicago's got one of the I think they were second in yeah, the league going into the first game and then they were third because they had a bad game in Boston going into the Sunday game and, um, and I think in both games they had two power play goals so that five on three I mean was there any doubt on when Cronwall took that penalty that Chicago was going to score no on I mean that to me was the most obvious thing ever and then they completely misplayed it and DeKaiser got interfered with which whatever but yeah I mean. There were good things. That second period that they played on Sunday was that was a good period of hockey that they played against a really good team. And you can't count score effects or anything like that because um, it was only two to one. And I mean, Chicago was playing at home. They held Chicago to three shots on goal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's that's not because Chicago had retreated into some sort of defensive shell trying to preserve a lead. They're not they're not the type of team to do that in the second period. Um it was a really good period. It was a really strong period. Howard made a few good saves. I mean, Jimmy Howard came on in relief and, um, you know, he gave up a couple goals. I don't think either goal, both goals were deflections. Yeah. I don't know yeah, really yeah, what he could have done on either one. I mean, that Anisimov goal was, I, I don't think there's a goalie in the league that stops that tip. Right. And then the other one, you got Tate standing right in front of him and it, and it bounces off him. It's, you know, what are you going to do? Um, neither Morazic nor Howard was, we're going to save that one, but, uh, you know, two quick goals. That's, but that's, it's like a total reversal from what the Red Wings used to do to teams is you'd get these bad, you know, you'd get a mediocre team that would kind of look like they were hanging with the Red Wings. And then the Red Wings are like, oh, right, we're actually better than you. And then boom, boom, a couple goals and it's over. So, you know, yeah. it, it, it shows how far away the Red Wings are from being a true contender um, where they are now in that group of teams that, you know, we always say are tough to play against, which is just code for they try really hard. Um, they might put a little bit of a scare in you, but ultimately they're not that great. Yeah, I mean, that was the thing about the, the that second period, that really strong second period that they ended up having after, you know, the, the two goals and in, in, the, in the second game against Chicago. Um, I, I kind of felt like Chicago might have been just sitting it back a little bit and maybe taking it easy. But um, nevertheless, you know, it, it, you you can't really 
you know, dismiss the fact that they played a really well for most of the game um, against a really good Chicago team. So, you know, it is what it is. I honestly, me being the pessimistic fan that I am right now, didn't really expect much to come out of those two games. And that's just me. I don't know. Did you guys expect anything, really? I remember last week I said that I expected both games to go to overtime. That okay. was <laughs> that was it. <clears throat> so you expected two points. At least, yeah. Yeah, at least. Uh, yeah I think I... I, think I predicted a win and a loss i don't really remember what i predicted I don't remember. It was the real time. annoying thing about sunday's game it was that i said like just before the first penalty started or maybe just after the first penalty started that uh the red wings needed to take advantage because it looked like chicago was playing like shit mm-hmm. um and they honestly were like it wasn't just it wasn't just the second period that detroit dominated that game like chicago made a lot of dumb errors in the first period and we just couldn't make it couldn't capitalize on it and that's that's the most frustrating part. And then back to Graham's point about how, you know, the the code were dangerous to play against. That's I think that's almost exactly what uh, Down Goes Brown said in his post this week about the the Red Wings being uh, a bubble team that, you know, everybody kind of forgets about them and, and they're not really a, much of a contender, but they're that team that basically nobody wants to play in the first round. And, mm-hmm. yeah, that's... That's our lot in life right now. I mean, I guess I can live with that. I mean, whatever. And that's the thing about about the Blackhawks. You know, I and a lot of us really harp on the defense a lot on this team. But good God, Chicago's defense is kind of a tire fire. Um, it's not that good for the kind of team that they are in. Corey Crawford in that first game, he played his ass off. I thought um, he kept he won the game for Chicago. You know, despite you know letting up those two goals, but. Uh, he really played well, and the defense for them really did not look good. So I don't know. I think they're going to get beaten by a team that crashes the crease better than the Red Wings do. I, I and think there's a lot yeah. of teams in the West like that. It will be hilarious. If Duncan Keith like calls it like a career, and they have to figure out where to go from there. Yeah, I mean, if you look at Chicago, I, I, I think I said this during Sunday. I mean, a lot of people do rag on like non-wing fans will rag on Detroit's and wing fans too and talk about how the 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 wings defense is not good and you know you've got basically a bunch of second and third pairings out there honestly outside of that top pair of chicago there's nobody there i would want on the red wing over what they already have because mm-hmm. i know some people might say seabrook seabrook a couple years ago absolutely seabrook at what his contract is about to be he is the justin abdicator of, of defensemen at this point I'd, Where, I'd, yeah, I'd take Duncan he, Keith over Nicholas Gronwell right now. I would take Duncan Keith. Absolutely. I, I, that top pairing? Absolutely. Yeah. That top pairing is one of the best pairings in the league. Um, but beyond that, no. It's a dumpster fire. Those yeah. other guys? Forget it. No way. But, you know, whatever. Crawford's having a hell of a year, so. And he is. He's having a career year. Duncan he, Keith he 40 minutes in the playoffs, so. Right. Right, yeah. That's, I mean, it was funny because on the Chicago broadcast, they actually mentioned that. Like, these are the Hawks' own announcers talking about how last year in the playoffs, they basically played four defensemen throughout the entire playoffs and were, were wondering whether they could do it again this year and said, yeah, but last year they had Oduya mm-hmm. as that fourth guy, and this year they don't have that. So, I mean, I think there's a recognition that certainly the the bottom four, if not the bottom three, are just they're bad. They're bad defensemen, and you know yeah. there's a lot of really good teams in the West that could that could be could take advantage of that. Right. Well, I mean, branching off into after the weekend, if nobody else has any other final thoughts, no. Nope? Okay. No. Nope? Okay. Um, you know, the back to back losses against. Uh, one of one of the top contenders in the league, you know, it can bring out a lot of emotions in a fan base. Um, 
you know, and we're starting to look at the playoff picture in the in the scoreboard watching now more than ever in at any point in the season. Um, we're trying to look at the playoff picture here. Uh, the push and the plan, the loss, like I said, it brought a lot of feelings. Um, I mean, how do we feel about this? Um, is, it, do, do you guys honestly feel like it, and I've been pretty vocal about this, I don't, but, but at the same time, I don't think that, I, I don't care about the streak as much as I care about actually, like, if it was a first round loss, like if it was a guaranteed first round loss, I don't really care about the streak. Um, what I care about is the team coming out and making an actual push. Um, because not making the playoffs right now isn't going to do the Red Wings much different than losing in the first round. So, I mean, obviously you want them to to uh, make the playoffs in that situation, but for me, I don't know. I just, I, I really am sick and tired of just seeing them get shellacked, uh, or not even shellacked, but just, you know, like, even like last year, you know, they made a really nice, really nice effort, and then in the end loss, I don't know. It just, it's something that I'm kind of tired of, and you know, one one first round exit this year isn't going to, or, or one playoff miss like this year, it doesn't mean that things are going to change in terms of uh, management or anything like that. Um, I guess we just want to riff on that and, and just think like, would you want to make the playoffs right now if you knew that going into the playoffs you were going to get knocked out of the first round? Like, well, hell, you worked it out yourself. Okay, so the argument is, you know, you're going to lose in the first <laughs> round. You're going to trade. The what the number thirteen overall pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're gonna move back down to what fifteen? Fifteen. Yeah. So you go from thirteen to fifteen for mm-hmm. as many as seven games playoff experience for mm-hmm. Larkin, Mrazek, Athanasiu, mm-hmm. other children. Mm-hmm. Um, shit, I'd take that. I would take it just to be able to watch those games. Yeah. I don't care about the thirteenth overall pick versus the fifteenth. Just we're gonna trade down to twenty third there anyway. It doesn't matter. Um. I don't think it's going to make that big of a difference in the player you get for it. And honestly, yeah, I would rather get to watch those four, five, six, seven games that the Red Wings are going to play in mid-April and give Dylan Larkin, uh, especially Dylan Larkin above everybody else, but also the other guys, the opportunity to get really, really pissed off about experiencing a first-round exit of the Yeah, that's that's a good point. I, I think that, that that might be a good point in terms of just experience. Um, it's kind of one of those like intangibles that you you would gain out of out of losing in the first round. But if you look back at and this is just going to be something for me and in, in personal like because I'm kind of a draft nut. If you look at the draft last year and the difference of it because the Bruins they uh, they drafted picks 13 through 15 and obviously they they sucked because they picked a bunch of really dumb names in in that range. But um, if you take if you're picking in the range of 13 through 15. Uh, last year, you could possibly end up with a guy like who they have now, Svechnikov, or you can end up with a guy like Kyle Connor, who is one of the top prospects in the league right now. So, does it make a lot of difference those two that those two picks? Not really. Um, so maybe the the actual first round exit, you know, pissing off the player or the the young kids and and all that. Who because who knows who's gonna who else is gonna be up by then? Because there might there very well could be somebody else called up by then. Um, that might be a very valuable thing to have. But uh, the the one thing that I always try and tell myself, no matter how negative I'm being, is that if you make the playoffs, no matter what sport what league or you know what seed you make it if you make the playoffs you always have a chance so 
Yeah, plus, if you escape the first round, um, even if you lose in the second round, that's one fan base you get to torture all summer. Yeah, that's like, true. Cool. We kicked your asses. <laughs> that was a lot of fun um, after, the, after we beat the Ducks. There's a lot of talk after the game against Chicago that <laughs> along along the lines of what you were saying, it's like the just the the streak is just kind of annoying at this point because yeah. it feels like what Ken Holland is trying to do is simply extend the streak. Like yeah. they're not interested in taking the chances that it's going to take to make a real shot. Like they're just, they're content with the, the outside shot. And there are business considerations to that too, because I think missing the playoffs right before they open the brand new barn is something that Chris Illich is not at all interested in doing. And so right. I don't think that missing the playoffs this year is going to shake the Red Wings into competing. I think it's going to shake them into um, Shit, marginal. We have to be, yeah. Yeah, it, it's going to be like, good. oh, it just – yeah, we we've got to be just the just a little bit better, but not. I don't think that one way or another. I don't think that the rest of the season is going to change Ken Holland's plan one way or another. I don't think it's going to going to frighten him. I think Ken Holland knows what he has. That's my biggest fear. Is that Ken Holland knows where the Red Wings stand as far as not being a strong contender, and right now he's basically content there. Um, and that, yeah, that's what I told myself. Like as and I, I'll, Graham, will let you speak. This is real quick. If the Red Wings were to miss the playoffs this year, I kind of feel like they would go into an off-season sort of panic, like quick rebuild mode, and they would try and use free agency to fill gaps that don't necessarily need to be made, like like need to be filled, um, or maybe like a panic move in free agency. That because if you look at it, it, and for most Detroit fans, you look at the Detroit Tigers, they missed the playoffs this year. Um, what do they do? They go out and they go in full sell mode mode obvious or full buy mode obviously um it's way different because there's no cap and you know the the money is endless but um i kind of have a feeling that that would be more damaging to the team and the organization than um making the playoffs would be and that's just my take so graham why don't you give us your thoughts on that uh, I mean, the, the, the streak itself is meaningless, you know, regardless of how many years you've made it the playoffs in a row. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, it, the goal should be it, is to win a Stanley Cup. I have to admit, the people who believe that Ken Holland is sitting in his office trying to make moves just simply to make the playoffs to extend the streak, I don't understand how people think that that's what Ken Holland is actively, consciously trying to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, that it makes no sense. Ken Holland is in the business of trying to win. Maybe we don't agree with how he's going about doing that. But, I mean, if you ask him, hey, what's the purpose of this? Uh, of this? By this, I mean his job. His job he's going to tell you that his, per- his job is to build a roster that's going to compete for the Stanley Cup. What I think, if you look at his comments right around the trade deadline, I think there's a recognition there that where they are, there's no quick fixes to it. So you just kind of roll with what you have, which maybe they should they make the playoffs, maybe they don't. But they, he mentioned specifically talking about going younger. Um, I think, Kyle, you actually said something pretty interesting. They missed the playoffs that year. Some people seem to think this is going to just, like, shake them up or this is, you know, this is going to, oh, this is going to be the catalyst for the rebuild. I think that's yeah. the, the opposite. I think if they miss the playoffs this year, they look at it and go, oh, crap, we got we to gotta get back to the playoffs. Whereas um, what I think would happen, and if they do it is if they make it with a younger team, they are younger this year than they were last year. Mm-hmm. And if they make it with a younger team, then they think, hey, these guys are going to get experience. And we talked about Larkin, Athanasiu, Mrazic, Marchenko. They're all going to get experience. Jeff Blashill is going to get 
a playoff series worth of NHL playoff experience, which I think is probably more important than anything else. So, I mean, he's going to be the coach next year. I know people are already calling for him to be fired, and those people are (laughs) stupid idiots that just need to be fired to the sun because they're dumb. He's not going to get fired after 60 games. Um, Jeff Blaschel is still putting his mark on this team. I think it's going to take him a a few years to even do that. He inherited a lot of crap. Mm-hmm. through the roster Absolutely. through lines all of it yeah and a lot of that has, has to do with ken holland a lot of that has to do with what mike babcock did i mean you yeah, put I mean, back scotty bowman himself in his prime and after one season it's still not going to be his team no give coach more time you look at you yeah. look at mike babcock and he didn't even have full control over his roster no mike, mike babcock, babcock mike took fucking him babcock. two years yeah, it took him a long time. It, it, it's, it's not like I'm sure if Blaschel had full – every coach has bad tendencies. I don't care who it is. Every coach has bad tendencies. They will play dumb players in dumb situations, and it will make you mad. Um, he's not going to ever – like I don't know if we'll ever see a time where Jeff Blaschel will have full control over the roster because we never saw it with Babcock. It really never was that. Mm-mm. I mean yeah. everybody – like Joel Quenville is – you know, rightly regarded as one of the bestest in the league. I was talking with a Hawks fan the other day, and they couldn't understand why Christian Erhoff wasn't playing and Michael Roosevelt was. I mean, that's a stupid call. Every coach has something that they do that just drives you nuts. Babcock was the same way. I mean, Babcock played Luke Lindenning more than he absolutely should have. Blashill yep. has moved away from that. You're seeing some of Blashill's fingerprints start to be on the team by looking at some of the players that have been called up and some of the players that have been removed the playoff streak the the notion of you you never know what can happen if you get in i guess that's true um people like to point to 2012 kings as this eighth seed that went on to win the cup except that team was a possession they They were they actually underachieved until they fired murray and brought in sutter so really it's it's a little misleading as to what they did because they weren't a true eight seed. But um, what I think the, the Red Wings have recognized after last year is that the the go for it moves to just try and kind of push a team over the top. The team's not there anymore. And so what they need to do is I don't think they want to be that flash in the pan team that goes on a hot run and makes a final unexpectedly only to never be heard from again like Edmonton did in 06 or Philly did in 2010. What have those teams done since then? They they went on hot streaks and they got lucky and that nothing. Um, I think what Ken Holland is trying to do is I think he's realized that the, the, the core of the team – that it, it's going to be turned over to after Datsuk and Zetterberg move on is not going to be the Nyquist Tatar generation. It's going to be the Larkin Athanasiu generation. And so what I think is that you're going to just have to start to build around those two players. I'm using them as an example. I don't know if Athanasiu is is destined to be the the star that we think he is. Maybe he is. Maybe he isn't. But Larkin certainly is. But the key is you've still got a lot of older players that are still good maybe they're not great but they're still good that are good enough to get you in the playoff build that way like what chicago did in 2008 and 9 where they went younger not necessarily full, they were in full rebuild but that's because they had built up the draft picks but when taves and kane showed up they had a lot of kind of slightly older players there to surround them and then you know allowed them to all grow together that's what i think the red wings should try to to emulate so that they don't have to go through that tanking and and get those the, the first and second overall picks but you just build on what they have 
the key will be in the off season because you know we'll kind of see whether this goes to fruition or not right. when they talk about their unrestricted free agents because that'll be that'll be a sign of what they think the direction of the team is but i don't believe that missing the playoffs is good for this team it's not good for the team ever i mean i, I don't know it just it, it's asinine to want a team to miss to move up two spots because if you're gonna miss if you're gonna miss 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 like toronto's missing this year yeah. i mean tank it go crazy lose away the, the red wings have too much talent on the roster right now in order to get down to that level without doing a complete fire sale which is why would you do that at this point yeah, if you got to fail, fail spectacularly. I yeah. want to go back mm-hmm. to two points that you've made, Graham. Um, the first one, you said essentially uh, disagree that Ken Holland is just in it to to continue the streak um, because he's he's building a team to win. Um, I think the counter side to that is it's possible that he is building a team specifically not to lose, which is a little different. Like mm-hmm. where you see more aggressive moves elsewhere, and obviously Chicago is perfectly right in doing what they're doing, buying up assets. Um, because yeah, you absolutely trade whatever you have to do to to keep striking iron while your cup run is as freaking hot as it can be. Um, yeah, Detroit's not there, but. Obviously, you can't trade away those assets for marginal improvement in the playoffs if you're the team that you are right now. So, um, I, I see where you're getting, where you're coming from, but I do think that the the concept is that he is specifically trying not to get worse more than he's trying to get better. Um, yeah, I mean, then, if you think, if, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, JJ. No, go ahead, Colin. I yeah, was thinking, like, good. making making those small improvements, like how a lot of people wanted to trade for Lad. I mean, if you look at the comparable return that the Chicago got out of it from Detroit, you know, you would be seeing a first round pick and a guy like Athanasiu going away from Detroit. Do you want to make that trade for a marginal improvement, even if it is that much of an improvement? I don't think so. So just that was just kind of I, I agree with what you said. Yeah, and I agree. I think if I if I were to say that he is trying to build a winner, he's trying to do it in the safest way possible would be how I would kind of couch that. So he's not really going for the bold moves like Stan Bowman is or like right. Jim Neal is. Um, he's doing he's doing much more he, he methodically, I guess, would be the, the positive term. Slowly would be the negative term. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, like absolutely. a guy like Bowman can afford to make those sort of moves, like a bunch of them and spend off all their assets. It's, it's like he can do that because it's the Chicago Blackhawks, just like a long time he's, ago. Red Wings could he, do that. It's it's like building a house, right? I mean, he's he's got the foundation of his house completely set, and it's great, and everything's fine. And what he's basically doing is is window dressing, where the Red Wings are they're they're still putting up walls. That's a good way to put it. And uh, I said I had two, but I totally forgot what the second point was. I know it was a uh, I was gonna call you smart, but I don't remember what it was now. It was smart all brain. the rest of it was all smart. It was all fine. <laughs> <laughs> it was all good. I don't well, know. I just I read so much about the the people saying the streak needs needs to end, and I just I don't understand. I don't understand that thinking. I don't understand wanting to lose. I don't know. That's just me. I agree. I mean, it, it's better to win than to lose. Obviously, that's easy to say. But um, I think that fans like when you're in the heat of the moment of a loss, and you just want the worst <laughs> for the team. Like you just want to like ah fuck it, sell it, sell everything. You know, that's just that's just kind of like the sports fan cycle. Especially uh, with See, the people. I don't get like that. I, I know you don't, but yeah. I mean, that's evolved, just how yeah. everybody, you know, everybody fans in a different way. <laughs> I'm really a better is. fan, honestly. Sure, sure. Yeah. 
<laughs> but I am way more handsome than you. <coughs> really matter. Um, um, so moving along, guys. Um, since we're talking so much about rebuilding and all that stuff, even though you know we're not really in that situation, we're going to talk about the prospects a little bit. Michelle is obviously going to give us a uh, great prospects report. Um, we're going to highlight a little bit on 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 the youngins and uh, all the all the good stuff that's going on with Evgeny Svechnikov, our our top prospect who is tearing it up right now. Um, so Michelle, why don't you go ahead and take over and tell us all about the youth. The Griffins continued their win streak and extended it to eight straight with three more wins last week, and they now have won 12 of the last 15 games. They had a 2-1 overtime win against the Rockford Icehogs on Wednesday night with Tyler Bertuzzi and Mark Zengerly tallying the goals and Tom McCullough making 20 saves. Then they had a 4-0 shutout win over the Charlotte Checkers on Friday night with Anthony Mantha, Xavier Ouellette, Tomasz Nosek, and Eric Tangrady scoring the goals, and Robbie Russo had three primary assists. Jared Coral stopped all 29 shots he faced and earned his fifth shutout of the season. Coro now has the third most shutouts in the entire American Hockey League. Only Jan Deneen with six and veteran Peter Budai with eight have more. And Coral's 929 save percentage is second best in the league behind only Peter Budai, who has a 934. If you're going to be behind somebody in save percentage in the American Hockey League, it doesn't hurt to have it be an NHL veteran who technically should have a better save percentage. The Griffins then completed their sweep of the Charlotte Checkers Saturday night with a 2-1 win. They had a 2-0 lead after the first period, and surprisingly, both goals came shorthanded, with Louis Marc Aubrey and Colin Campbell scoring the shorthanded goals in the last six minutes of the first period. In their previous 57 games, the Griffins had only two shorthanded goals, despite having a pretty aggressive penalty kill, and in one period, they doubled their season total. The Griffins now sit with 74 points on the season, and they've maintained their position of third in the Central Division and are fourth in the Western Conference, so they currently still sit in the playoff spot. For their upcoming schedule, the Griffins have a rare five-day break in between games. After their win on Saturday night, they're not in action again until they host the Manitoba Toba Moose in Grand Rapids Friday and Saturday nights and then hit the road and visit the Chicago Wolves on Sunday. Down in Toledo, the Walleye continued to win as well, winning two of their three games last week. They had a 3-2 win over the Florida Everblades on Wednesday, then a 3-0 shutout win against the Blades on Friday with Zach Nastasiak having a goal and an assist and Jake Patterson getting the 32-save shutout, which is his second shutout of the season. The Walleye then fell to the Blades on Saturday 4-3 and weren't quite able to complete their comeback from a three-goal deficit. Zach Nastasiak scored a goal and Jake Patterson was the backup so he didn't play. Nastasiak now has 20 points in 24 games, 10 goals and 10 assists, and he's on a .83 points per game pace, which is tied for third best on the team. So even though he's played fewer games, he's still scoring at a very decent rate. Jake Patterson is playing great hockey. His 925 save percentage, 13-8-2 record, and two shutouts is fantastic for the rookie. His save percentage is seventh best in the league and second among rookies. Patty's been getting a lot of attention lately for his on-ice performance and how far he's come since the start of the season. He was the runner-up for the ECHL Goalie of the Week for the final week of February, and of course he was the Goalie of the Week for the final week in January. Patterson's an athletic goalie, and walleye coach Derek Lalonde really likes how Jake plays and the results that he's getting. Patterson has said that he tries to model his style after Carey Price. He's the goalie that he admires and thinks they play a 
fairly similar style, and they do have a lot of similar traits. It's really cool to see Jake Patterson come into the ECHL and really show improvement throughout the season. I said last week it wouldn't be long until he's pushing for a spot in the AHL, and he just continues to validate that opinion. He's a rookie who I think could have started in Grand Rapids this season if the Griffins didn't already have McCollum there and then Coro coming up. So to see him doing this great in the ECHL and earning more starts and more playing time and more recognition and more praise is fantastic. The Walleye currently have 79 points on the season and they have the North Division in the bag with an 18 point lead over the Wheeling Nailers. They're also first in the Eastern Conference and second in the entire league in points. The Walleye continue to prove that they're no longer a basement dwelling team and it's a heck of a lot more fun this way. Their upcoming schedule, the Walleye like the Griffins have five days off before playing three games and three nights once again. After their loss on Saturday, they're off until Friday night when they visit Wheeling to take on the Nailers. Then they host the Norfolk Admirals on Saturday at home and then the Kalamazoo Wings on Sunday. In other prospects news, the Flint Firebirds continue to sit 17th out of 20 teams in the Ontario Hockey League with only 44 points and their painful losing continues. Billy Sarjarvi had three assists and four shots on goal in a 6-5 overtime win against the Saginaw Spirit on Wednesday, then had four shots and didn't register a point in a 7-2 loss to the Kingston Frontenacs on Saturday and contributed an assist and eight shots on goal in an 8-2 loss to the North Bay Battalion on Sunday. The entire situation in Flint continues to be depressing and honestly I'm just relieved that there are only six games left in their season. After the final game on March 19th, Villy should be joining the Griffins and at least he'll be in a better environment and situation and get some valuable experience. Plus, if he plays, which he should, maybe he'll show the coaches that he's ready to play their next season and the whole where will Villy play next year question will be answered. I so much want to see he and Hicketts together, the tiny terrors in Grand Rapids. In the QMJHL, Adam Marsh had a lone assist in four games with the St. John's Sea Dogs and it came in a 4-3 win over the T-Tan. With 87 points on the season and only five regular season games remaining, the Sea Dogs have clinched a playoff spot and they lead the Maritimes division. Evgeny Svechnikov scored a goal and added three assists for a four-point game and a 7-2 win over the Halifax Mooseheads on Saturday, then had a shorthanded empty net goal in the Eagles 4-3-1 over Drummondville on Sunday. Chevy has 32 goals and 74 points in 47 games, which sounds like an awful lot, until you put it in the context of the insanely offensive QMJHL and realize that that's only the 17th best scorer in the league and the top dog has 119 points. 119 points. The Screaming Eagles have 74 points on the season and they've also clinched a playoff spot, sitting third in the Maritimes division. Out in the Western Hockey Leagues, it was two more games and three more assists for defenseman Joe Higgins. He has eight goals and 55 points in 54 games and he's moved up a spot to seventh in the Western Hockey League among defensemen and scoring. He's also moved up three spots to 14th overall in assists among all players in the WHL, and he's up to 7th in power play assists among all players. Victoria has clinched a playoff spot with only five regular season games remaining, and with 96 points, they sit atop both the BC division and the entire Western Hockey League. Dominic Turgeon had a goal and an assist in a 5-3 win over the Tri-City Americans, then went pointless in a 2-1 loss to the Seattle Thunderbirds. With 31 goals and 62 points in 65 games, he leads the way offensively for his team. And with 70 points on the season, the Winterhawks currently sit third placed in the U.S. division and they are in a playoff spot. In the BCHL, Chase Perry made 21 saves on 25 shots in the Wenatchee Wilds' first playoff game in a 4-3 loss to the Langley Rivermen, and he was back up in their second game. 
In college hockey news, the Clarkston Golden Knights swept Princeton in the first round of the ECAC playoffs, beating them 3-2 in overtime in both games in a best-of-three series. James DeHaas scored the overtime winner in both of the games for the Golden Knights, and they play St. Lawrence University in the next round, and that gets underway Friday night. Mike McKee played in Western's final two games of the season and had a total of two shots on goal, eight penalty minutes, two block shots, and was a minus two. Not studly stats. David Pope and the University of Omaha, Nebraska kicked off their playoff quarterfinals versus the Denver Pioneers and unfortunately lost the first two games in the best of five series. Hope was a minus two in the two games and that was his only contribution on the stat sheet. They get another crack at the playoff win though on Friday night. Over in Europe, Axel Holmstrom scored a nice goal in Schlefti's 3-0 win on Thursday. It was on the power play with Holmstrom out in front of the goalie, of course. The shot came in and Homer tried to jump out of the way of the puck, which is what you're supposed to do when you're in front of the goalie, but the puck hit his leg and bounced out away from the net. However, Homer's quick thinking and hands went to work. He reached out and got the puck on a stick, shot it behind him and into the net. Boom. That's how you do it, kids. Last week, Hockey's Future came out with their Red Wings top 20 prospects. And I just want to go down the list real quick and give you what their rankings were. Starting out at number one and going all the way down to 20. Their number one through 20 ranking was as follows. Dylan Larkin, Evgeny Svechnikov, Anthony Mantha, Andreas Athanasiu, Xavier Ouellette, Joe Hicketts, Tyler Bertuzzi, Zach Nastasiak, Jared Coro, Billy Sarajarvi, Robbie Russo, Ryan Spruel, Dominic Turgeon, Jake Patterson, Jordan Van Palobege, Martin Furk, Tomasz Nosek, Adam Marsh, Axel Holmstrom, and finally Alexander Kadikin. Whenever anybody puts together a ranking, including myself, there's always a lot of wiggle room and room for discussion about where players should fall on this list. So the first thing that I looked for when I went over hockey's future ranking was were there any prospects that were left off that I thought should have been on or any prospects that were on this list that I was surprised about. Not so much nitpicking about the order of the ranking. First of all, I don't really think of Dylan Larkin as a prospect because I know that he's made the Red Wings. He's good enough. He's going to stick. There are also 35 players that I have on my Red Wings prospects list. So when you're putting together a list of 20, you have a good chunk of them that are going to be on that list. One name, although I I was kind of surprised it wasn't on it was Nick Jensen. I know he gets overlooked a lot when we're talking about defensemen and part of that is because he hasn't really had a shot with the wings yet and I think the other part is because he's been overshadowed by some other defensemen such as Alexei Marchenko and Xavier Ouellette and then coming out of college he kind of flew way under the radar for a lot of people as well but I am surprised not to see him on the top 20 list and I was a little surprised to see both Joran van Padelbege and Alexander Kadikin on the list even though JVP was ranked 15th and Katie Kin was ranked 20th. They both made it and I was a little bit surprised. I enjoy reading other people's perspectives on the Red Wings prospects and getting their opinions and their take and their rankings, but it always makes me sit back and really realize that there are so many varied uh, opinions and priorities when it comes to prospects. It's interesting to get other people's um, opinions and takes on it. It's getting close to being playoff season for most of the Red Wings prospects and some of them have already begun. It's an exciting time of the year, so hold on to your lederhosen. Until next week, That's what's going on in the world of Red Wings prospects. Thank you, Michelle, as always, for that wonderful prospects report, letting us know on how the uh, the prospects are doing outside of the NHL and AHL. Um, So we're just going to jump right into the reader questions, which, as always, JJ is going to take over for us. JJ, you beautiful son of a bitch. Tell us, ask us, what do the readers want to know? Hell yeah, we'll do. First, I want to say, at least the Griffins are winning. That's fun. Yes, they are doing really well. All right, Octopus Connoisseur starts us off with, uh, what do we do with Polkanen after this season? Mm-hmm. Graham? 
Um, he's he's going to get the Yurko treatment, and then next year he's going to play more. So uh, I... two year deal for real? Yeah, team? he'll get he'll he'll get like a little bridge deal. Um, two year. What's he make now? Hundred million. Hundred million. Yes. A hundred million. What? Under a million. Oh. Under a million. Yeah, you got to enunciate. He said a hundred oh. million. I said Canadians. under a million. That's that's a Canadian, Canadian thing. God, son of a fuck. I bring, think better than all of you. Bring in some speak drama. Speak better than all y'all. <laughs> oh. Save that drama for your mama. They, oh, resources. <laughs> resources. <laughs> resources. I said it today at work, and, every, and the guy I was talking to, he's like, wait, what'd you say? I'm like, Maybe not you. Again. Maybe no. say it again tomorrow. I will. I'll say everything tomorrow. Um, no, Pulkinen will get a two-year deal. Slight, slight bump from this year. Not much. Um, they'll bridge him, and then uh, next year he'll 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 play more. Currently at seven thirty-five. He'll get nine fifty. Yep. He gets traded. Ah, to who? He he'll go in a package somewhere. For a for what? I'm curious what you think. Is he going to bring back a forward or a defenseman? I'm well, preferably I'd like a defenseman, but I just had that feeling. I don't know. But but honestly, to be honest, like what you said, Graham is is completely it's completely plausible as well. Like either one could happen. <laughs> it's it's the, it's the safe answer. Yeah, yeah, it's the safe answer. But I think that Polkinen, I don't know. I, I mean, how is he going to get used differently next year? I don't know. I don't know. On the power play, maybe. If yeah. they build the entire power play, stinky around, power play, nine hundred fifty k. That's going to be looked at as a, one of the best contracts in the league. Yep. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it's all got to work exactly right if, for that to happen. There's also a follow-up to Octopus kind of Solar's question. Uh, crunchy or Puffy Cheetos? Crunchy. Crunchy. Crunchy, crunchy the, yeah. The, the hot flame and hot crunchies. Yeah, that's a good choice. Yeah. Puffy yeah. ones are right, but I don't even like Puffy Cheetos. Just give me, like, I mean, yeah. regular cheese ball puffs. I never tell myself that I want Puffy Cheetos. It's always, if I want Cheetos, then I'm going to buy fucking Cheetos, which is the regular Cheetos. Yeah, Crunchy yeah. Cheetos are regular Cheetos. Yes, if I'm if if Cheetos are in the house and I I've purchased them, they're they're crunchy. Sometimes we'll get the puffy ones and I'll eat them because I you know they're not they're not awful, but I'll resent them as I'm eating them. <laughs> God, like I'll hate, hate eat them. Like why aren't you crunchy, you fucking asshole? I'll eat you, but I won't be happy about it. <laughs> All right, uh, Polar Bear with our first uh, smartass question of the, the round. <laughs> Thank you. Great. Do you see us winning another game this season, and should we? Does losing out out guarantee a first overall pick, and do we even want that? Jesus. Um, Okay, so my sarcastic answer to your sarcastic question is, no, they will not win another game. Um, And then my realistic answer to your sarcastic question in terms of the first overall is, no, you're not. It's, It's too late. We if you're going to get the first overall, you really, you really, if you're going to get the first overall, you really need to uh, commit to that like long term, not just like over a course of a month and a half. Yeah, we're 23 points ahead of the Leafs. I don't think they could catch us. No, like, no way. Have lost every game. No. Right, uh, let's see. The Leafs have. Does that count? Does it include tonight? Oh yeah, it does include tonight. So they have 17 games left, so they can get 34 points. They that max. That's what they could get. Oh yeah, so we're twenty-two ahead of them. So the Leafs would have to go on some sort of insane tear, and that's just so. to get us a twenty-five percent chance at the first overall pick. So no, no you we could don't think, want that. You we're going to win games, and we want yeah. to win games. So they're gonna yeah, win. we're going to we're going to win games. I mean, it's, 
It's not going to happen. Right now, plan before, like, oh, God, you know, before, like, after the trade deadline is the worst time to plan for a first overall pick. Like, what? What is wrong with you? No. Especially if you didn't sell during the... Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's not a good time to plan for a Stanley Cup either. So the Red Wings are just, you know, we're just cruising. We're just going to see what happens. Yeah, just plan to watch hockey. Plan to enjoy yourself. Yeah, just try to... If FNSCU makes a sick move, just enjoy it. Or someone. I don't know. Or just follow along with the people who are like, oh, it's his PDO is too high. Or, yeah, or, yeah, exactly. You can't, ever, you can't enjoy high. Stop enjoying high. No, games. there That's is no way to enjoy this advice. sport. No. If you have fun, you're stupid. Stop it. Everybody from Canada tells me unless they are scoring a ton of goals at a sustainable rate and winning games, then it's all moot and you are a shitty fan. <clears throat> Literally only like two people in the entire league are capable of shooting 19% and they're both Leafs prospects. So, <laughs> uh, Case Denji wants to know, is uh, Erickson on waivers a thing that could ever actually happen? It could have. Wait, is it a – does he have an – Oh, he does not have no movement. He's okay, got no, it's got a no. It could happen. He's a limited no trade, I believe. Yeah, it so could happen. Could put him on waivers. It could happen, but I will say this right now: it will not happen while Cronwall is here. I mean, there's four more years left of his contract. Anything could happen. Yeah, I know, but I'm saying right now that it will not happen <laughs> while Cronwall is here. I think if they were ever to get rid of him, they would buy him out. Instead Which of you waving. have to put him on waivers before doing that. Yeah. Right. So I mean, yes, they'd end up on waivers. I think he would. I, I don't know if the question is, would he ever be on waivers to like go down to Grand Rapids and just be off the team, or waivers to be gone? I if they put him on waivers, it's for the purposes of buying him out. Yeah, and the, the whole thing is right now the fans hate Erickson way more than the team does. Blashill, Holland, Cronwell, yeah. leadership, they love Jonathan Erickson. So I don't think that they're gonna come to see the light. I don't think that he's going to be trade or waived. Um, I think best case scenario is the, and th- this feels so awful to say it. So uh, I guess I'm, I'm not a better fan than anybody, but um, he's got a degenerative hip c- condition that it's not going to get better. He's going to have good days, but they're going to continue to be fewer and farther between. And he has already said in interviews that he wants to be able to walk after he's done playing hockey. And I don't know if he's got four years left. Um, yeah. With that goal still in mind. Um, he, it's a flat 4.25 million every year. There is no recapture. So if he retires out of that deal, it's literally just him walking away. And if he does walk away, the Red Wings are going to make sure he's taken care of. But right now, like people are talking about the, you know, we'll take eight years at one point, whatever million dollars for a buyout. I don't want that. Uh, that's I a good gonna, point. That's a really I'm, good point, JJ. The, I'm going to hold out hope that, yeah, he's going to. The flat. I, I pay. think he's going to walk away before it goes away. The flat. The flat pay is a really. That's a really good one. And I mean, you could go ahead and say that in the next maybe couple of years, maybe a few years, you see a, you know, a expansion draft. We're not going to go into that right now, but it's just. It, it, I think that's a good point. That if he does end up retiring, it doesn't hurt the team. Like yeah, it would for yeah, like the Bronson contract or the Zetter contract, mm-hmm. you know, or even the Cronwall contract. So, yeah, exactly. All right, uh, Caput wants to know. Uh, assuming we either miss or scrub out of the playoffs early again, that's a big assumption there. Uh, what are the best case scenarios for moves in the off season, trades, signings, etc.? Just real quick on this one because it's it's kind of obvious. You sign Mrazek. You sign to Kaiser. Um, 
you tender Cheyenne, maybe try and use him as trade bait. Um, I don't think you should even touch free agency. Oh, you got to push for Stamkos. Yeah, I yeah, forgot about him. Okay, push. yeah, yeah, you got to try. I, I forgot about him. I'm sorry. I'm I'm so conditioned to thinking that he's just going straight to Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> You're forgiven. Uh, <clears throat> you trade Howard in yep. the yeah. off season. You trade you, you you extend Morazic, but nothing crazy. A few million. Do you do you trade Howard if he carries us into the playoffs? Yes, yep. because his value is higher. Okay. There's, look, I mean, if you read the comments that Blashill's coming out with, there is no question, <clears throat> excuse me, at this point that Peter Morazic is Jeff Blashill's number one goaltender. That is not changing, regardless of how well Jimmy Howard plays. Blashill is riding with Morazic. That's just that's just happening. And if Jimmy Howard ends up taking the Red Wings to the playoffs, I fully expect Peter Morazic to be starting Game One of that first round series. And but at that point. You then say to Jimmy Howard, thank you for everything you've done. We are going to trade you to a, a team that, where you will have a shot at a, a starter's job again. Right. And then, now, you get the, and then you get the chance to sign Mrazek with the leverage that he kind of sucked at the end of the season. It, it, the, the best case scenario for me for Mrazek is you bridge him. You bridge him because we're all raving about Mrazek. And he's been very, very, very good this year. He's been their MVP this season outside of the last couple of games. I mean, he's in a bit of a slump. We still have less than a full season of him. We don't know truly what he is yet. If you sign him to some monster deal like what Howard got, are we going to be talking about why the fuck do we still have Peter Morazic signed for three more years at $5 million a season in a couple of years? Now, people Uh, will say – but people will say, well, you know, oh, well, he's, he's better than Howard. Howard was awesome when he was a younger goaltender. And then he had some injury issues, and then he, he got inconsistent. And now everybody wants to trade Jimmy Howard. So I, my point is not to suggest that Peter Mrazek is going to falter. My point is we don't know yet. So rather than put that much money into him, goaltenders, I think that's the one area where you can afford to go a little cheaper. And go a little younger. You, you look at the guys. Look at all the guys that are on those big monster deals. Most of them are not living up to those deals, right? Yep. I mean, think about who's got for goalies. Yeah. So I say you you bridge Mrazek. If you're going to spend on a free agent that the Red Wings have, you spend it on De Kaiser. That's where most. That's where the focus should be for the Wings. <sighs> I don't. You know, I don't know because I feel like De Kaiser is going to end up overpaid. Well, of course he's going to end up overpaid. He's sure. negotiating with Ken Holland. I mean, I don't like it. That's a given. So he's it, it, Ken, Danny DeKaiser is going to get the, the the Ken Holland special of a five or six year deal around five or six million dollars a year. Yep, that's what he's going to get. It's Anything over five now. million dollars, I'm going to be angry. I he's think. gonna he's gonna then just get angry now because he's going to yeah. get it. Oh, I am. Don't worry, I am. Spend he's going to. He's going to – what's going to happen is he's going to get – it's going to be like five and a quarter, but it's going to be for six years. So it's going to be – he's going to give the term and get a couple of years but come down and give the hometown discount. And I am quote air quoting like crazy now. I can hear it in your voice, um, yeah. Yeah. So the Kaiser's going to get overpaid, but that's where the money's going to go. And then hopefully there's not enough money to re-sign Helmer Quincy. Bye-bye. And the last move uh, that we didn't mention that uh, we need to do in the offseason is get uh, Sammy Votnin away from Anaheim because I don't think we can go with just moving Robbie Russo up to improve our defense. 
if we're talking like honestly want to make a run at the cup next year i i think if there's one move that i wouldn't be a hundred percent shocked to see happen would be to see brendan smith traded in the offseason i could see it if it happened i would not be shocked if it happened and i would immediately call jeff Oh yeah, and then and we could see we could see we could see Prashant with a uh, with like a twenty twenty tweet string of <laughs> the complaints. <laughs> Depending on <laughs> what they got him for, I mean, if they traded they traded him as part of a package that brought Vatnin back. Hell yes. Yeah, why not? All right, the uh, I think this is the single most wrecked comment from the mailbag from Lancerman. Uh, if Erickson is the only player on the ice for both teams and he goes back to retrieve a puck behind his own net, would he still find a way to turn over the puck and then find himself completely out of position? Yes. Yeah, that's, it, there's no question, yes. He'd yeah. trip over the puck or something stupid. He would probably okay. he would probably retrieve it behind his own net and then like kind of throw it out front. And uh, Now, we talked about this before we started recording again. So the, the concept was... Are we talking about there are like twelve Ericsons on the ice? They're just all Jonathan Ericsons, like a like a breaking Madden type of situation? <laughs> or is it just him on his own? He's just like just his own guy. I think it'd be him on his own, and what would happen was because he's the only player on the ice, um, he would find a way to rim it around the boards, nail it off the linesman, and bounce it into his own net. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's the right answer. All right, uh, tea and kicker death. We're back to the uh, tanker continue on kind of questions. But would you rather blow the streak, tank for three or four years, then return to a decade of dominance, or ride out the rebuild, stockpile tums to help with the bubble team stomach knots for the next five season, then return to a decade of dominance? Two, right? I mean, that's that's easily the yeah, right answer. Yeah, you two. don't miss the playoffs if you're guaranteed a decade of dominance, right? Yeah, and if that's the, a if good, it's, but that is a really good question. If the if the answer is a decade of dominance, like if you know that's that's the end result, then yeah, you ride out the five years of anxiety and just like, hey, we made it. Yeah. Why watch it? Why? That's the the opposite question. Uh, instead of returning to a decade of dom of dominance, you are supplant Edmonton as the new perpetual dumpster fire. And I still right, think exactly. make the playoffs every year is the better choice. Yeah, because if you tank and then become bad after tanking, it feels. It's like why why bother tanking, mm-hmm. like Edmonton, yeah. you know. Plus, number thirteen wants to know if any of us are going to the World Cup this year. I don't have plans to. I do not have plans to. No. I thought about it. I'll get back to you. And then he asked, I... "Have you gone to any hockey events of international significance before?" No. And uh, yeah, I was in Ann Arbor. Oh, nice. Last... I um, was. The, the only international game I've ever been to, I actually went to the 97 um, Women's World Championship gold medal game. Canada, U.S. Probably the best hockey game I've ever seen in my life. Live. Nice. It was phenomenal. Canada won in overtime. So, I mean, that certainly helped. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, um, uh, you know, it was, it was two teams who were the unquestionable best in their sport playing each other for really the L prize because I think that was, I think it was 97. That was the year before the Olympics. So there had been no women's hockey in the Olympics. As far as I'm aware of, I could be hundred percent wrong there. Um, but the world championships was it for women's hockey. And it was just, it was an incredible game um, to watch hockey played at its, at its best by the best players in the sport for that level is mm-hmm. 
I don't think anything beats it. And I mean, you know, you add into that the um, the emotion of the fact that it was the gold medal game. It was in in Canada, so I mean, the the um, arena was packed, and it was just uh, when when Canada scored, I I couldn't hear the people that were next to me. It was so loud. It was it was amazing, and I caught a hot dog from the hot dog gun. So awesome. You know, really, that was probably the best night ever. <laughs> Uh, ENSRW wants to know, uh, basically, the Red Wings are out of the playoffs. Um, again, uh, do you offer a package of our first-round pick and one of Tatar, Nyquist, Polkinen, and one of Woulette, Jensen, Russo, or Sproul and get a higher pick in the first round? Uh, high, how high a first-rounder do you think you could get for that kind of a deal? I don't think that moves you into the top ten, does it? No, you've got a lot of teams down there that are that they're trying to get picks if they're trying to get players there if that doesn't get you into the top five then don't even don't even bother and yeah, even honestly even if it even if it doesn't give you get you like even if it does it let me backtrack here if it doesn't get you like top three no yeah, because Tatar and Nyquist are, are immediately helpful. Polkinen is a pending RFA. Woolette, Jensen, Russo, and Sproul are all unknown quantities. They are basically – remember when Steven Johns got traded last year? And if you're asking yourself who the <laughs> hell is Steven Johns, that's exactly the point. Mm-hmm. Nobody outside of Detroit knows who the hell these guys are. Um, I mean, I guess I could kind of see like a maybe if Carolina is, is looking to, to trade away some of their – because they stockpiled a lot. I, I thought they had a really good deadline and, and stockpiled a lot of good stuff. And honestly, they're a better team than their record indicates, and they're basically a goalie away. Then, yeah, they might be interested in something like that. But I don't know. There just aren't many buyers of of that caliber. Yeah, I mean, you look at you look at a te- like a player like Noah Hannafin, who the diggers were going all over like during before the draft. Like, ooh, maybe the Red Wings could trade up to get a top guy like a Noah Hannafin. Does Noah Hannafin really change anything this year? The answer is no. He doesn't change anything. Um, he's a good player, a great prospect, really young up-and-comer. But for this team right now, I mean, the situation that they are still in, it is still very much win games at the NHL level now. And, you know, trading up for a top prospect, unless it's like a guy like Connor McDavid or Jack Eichel, Austin Matthews or... You know, like a Patrick Lane, it's just no, no. And yeah. you've got teams that are tanking on purpose to right. get those players in the draft. They're not going to then trade away the pick. I mean, you figure like that first overall. I mean, whoever gets no one's it, trading that. No, no one. It's. I mean, it's like last year. You know, I mean, they're 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 in it to get Austin Matthews. Yep. <clears throat> uh, Beer leg arbitration wants to know: Are there any rules pertaining to or known instances of two teams practicing together? Or collaborating in other ways. Uh, essentially, Detroit's unique geographic position might help them. Like they could essentially practice against the Blackhawks and like try to work their systems well uh, over each other. Um, I'm not familiar with anything like that. I don't think there's something anything specifically against it, though. I doubt there's anything against it because it's so far fetched. Yeah. I I think logistically it would be really hard to to make that happen because I mean if you're going to be doing practice practices together they have to be in the same city how often are they going to be in the same city when they're not playing each other i mean and, and you're not going to be then you're doing it every time you travel right yeah so the know, they're not gonna yeah it would just I, I i like the idea i mean 
you know, it's, it would be a good idea, but I think um, these teams are so protective of what they do in practice. Uh, you know, I mean, they got press there and stuff, but I mean, press is just there. Hey, here's the lines. Here's what they're working on. Uh, um, that kind of real X's and O's stuff, I don't think they want to give too much of that away anyway. Yeah, plus what happens if uh, if Andrew Shaw blasts Tamu Pulkin in, in a, just a friendly practice? Because that shit's going to happen. Well, no one cares because it's Timu Pulkin and he doesn't play anyway, so. Um, although there is, like, basically the closest thing you get to collaboration is when teams agree to assign players to loan players to other teams minor league affiliates there's like in the echl there's a lot of places where uh two nhl teams will share that kind of stuff Uh, i know that after some of the trades that happened uh, specifically with the maple leafs uh like the senators just i think i think it was matt fratton that the senators are basically like no he can stay in the marlies it's fine um that happens um you know and there's all sorts of reasons for it but I think that's as close to collaborations as you ever get. Mm. So, all right. Uh, the reddest wing. If the outcome were exactly the same, would you be more upset, less upset, or about the same level of upset if each of the following scenarios, if it were blank instead of Chicago? Uh, let's see. I'm guessing this means to win the cup. Uh, if Anaheim wins the cup rather than Chicago, are you more upset, less upset, or the same? Same. I don't want Anaheim winning. I'd be more upset. Fuck Anaheim. Uh, I'd be less. I just don't want Chicago to win back-to-back. And my answer is going to be less on all of these, but... Um, <laughs> Dallas? Less. I'd be honestly less happy upset. for Dallas. I would, too. I'd be happy I'd be for, happy for Jim Nil. Yeah, I'd, I'd be Dallas happy for watch. piss off a bunch of other teams. Mm-hmm. Like, Boston. Sagan wins it, and, and yeah. Boston has to oh, swallow God. that. That'd be amazing. And Spezza gets it. Oh, Although, Ottawa no, fans would, like, honestly... Ottawa fans would be happy for Spezza. I mean, the the non shit hearts. It will it will be it will be on mark scoring the game seven overtime goal. Yeah, I can deal with that as long as it's not Chicago winning it. Uh, you can Calgary. deal with it, but everybody else, man, that would Calgary. be a bad day. I don't care. Yeah, I don't sure. Find that Calgary's not playing. Calgary, who cares? They're not going to uh, Pittsburgh. What if they get their second cup in? No, not going to happen. I'd rather them over Chicago. Yeah, 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 for sure. I could be. You know what? I'd love for I'd love for Kessel to win, and you know I'd love yeah, for him to say sh- I'd like eat a hot dog at the parade and just like stare in the camera and just then flip off the camera with like a, a fuck you Labatt. Toronto on his finger. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, that's a good answer. Uh, Washington, love to see them win the Would cup. Love it. Yeah, over any other team. Oh, the, Alex uh, Ovechkin at a Stanley Cup parade. Think about how much fun that would be. Yeah. Plus all the Nashville fans were like, fuck Barry Trotz. <laughs> and then he went, yeah, I'd be okay with that. Buffalo? I don't care. I don't care, but fuck them. Yeah, Buffalo is like, they're they're actually kind of close to more than almost any other team because Buffalo fans are just so awful. Uh, I'm actually reading the question again, and I think we might be uh, misreading it because it says... Oh, that we just uh, lost two games. We just lost two fashion. games to in lackluster fashion. So if the Wings lost two games to these teams in the <laughs> well, way they did, I'm, would you I'm be sorry, more or less upset? I totally, I bonked that question up. Yeah. <laughs> we can run real quick. Anaheim, same. Dallas, same. I guess. Calgary, more. Pittsburgh, less. Pittsburgh's good. Washington, less. Buffalo, more. I basically. I would be more upset with them losing to bad teams 
in lackluster fashion than good teams. Yeah, you're exactly right. Good job. Uh, L.A. Wing asked the this question last week, and he's going to ask it again because we didn't answer it. Uh, how about a parody draft? You can take one active <laughs> roster player from any team. Nobody is prote- protected. Who would you pick? And some other team will take somebody of your roster players. Who would they take? Uh, we didn't. We could do like a whole freaking hour on this topic. We so. will at some point if if they that's, that's draft a summer draft. thing. That's a summer thing. Like honestly, if if an expansion draft goes down, then we are going to do probably more than one podcast over it. Yeah, I think if uh, just picking one player from the entire league, uh, I think I would take McDavid and build around him rather than one of the established stars. Um, and, and he won't be available if we're going to get. Well, I mean, this no is literally everybody available. Nobody. Protected. I know if if no one was a protected, yeah, but in an expansion draft, it wouldn't happen. That's not the question. The question is, Parity. no one is protected. I'm playing double advocate. Go fuck yourself. Stay within the parameters. Can't change the parameters of the question. Come sure on, I can. The last question. You can't. You can't fuck up this one. Yes, I can. I can fuck everything up. You do fuck everything up. God damn it, Kyle. <laughs> uh, uh, and I think uh, it's, um, it's got to uh, be either Larkin or Mrazek that gets taken from us, right? I'd get. I'd best. I'd bet it would be Larkin. Yeah. Yeah. I would take Eric Carlson. Oh, that's a good answer. Kyle, do you have a an answer? Um. Yeah, I would. I would take Eric Carlson for sure. That's a good one, Graham. Or Carey Price. Want <laughs> uh, to rescue Subban from Montreal? That's a good one too. It's such See? a tough call, like Eric uh, Carlson versus Subban. Oh, uh, Ducksworth, good, good username for this question. If you could have one player from the Mighty Ducks movies on the wings, who would it be? Uh, he says Fulton Reed seems like he would be a good power play weapon. Yeah, they already got a guy who can't hit the net, so right. Yeah, but NHL um, shin pads can take Fulton Reed slapper. It's not that big a deal. Yeah, I think Adam Banks. He was the best player on the team. I'd take Adam, yeah, Adam Banks. I mean, he yeah, he's speed, good. He score. He was glass jaw, but whatever, who cares? <laughs> whatever, he fit right in on this team. And that Lester Averin shithole. <laughs> or Goldberg, the goalie. Oh, uh, yeah. The Philly yeah. fan. Uh, more likely to replace Ken Holland when he retires. Jim Nill, Steve Eiserman, or other. Other. It'll it's be other. Ryan Martin. It's going to yeah. be Ryan Martin. It'll I'd be I'd... Ryan Martin. You should all be terrified of it. Who would you prefer? Steve Eiserman, he don't take no shit, man. That situation was, I mean, even though he kind of beat the bullet on it, but he won. Uh, Yeah, he won. He won. He, Joanne was a a little baby about it. Yeah, yeah. He left. He suspended him. He never traded him. And Joanne, I mean, basically, if he doesn't play, he, he doesn't get to burn one of his, one of the years on his entry contract, which means he's another year away from free agency. And and Eiserman today said, yeah, maybe we'll call him up if he plays well. So he opened he opens the door <coughs> to bring him back. Yeah, and can you imagine right. if Jonathan Drouin gets his head on right and kind of swallows his pride a little bit, tears up the AHL, which he should because he's, he's a very talented player, and then joins the Lightning for like a playoff run? Think about how good the Lightning are now without Drouin. Put him in the lineup when... I mean, if he comes back, it's because the Lightning want him back. And I'm sure the, the players that are in that dressing room would sit him down and have a, like a bit of a conversation with him. Like, look, this is how it's going to be. This is what we need from you. Buy in or get lost. <clears throat> and he's already been told to get lost once. So yeah. if he's if he is a smart 
player buy in. They could be that could be a great move. I think before the Chris Russell trade, I might have said Jim Neal, but yeah, I'm I'm all about Eichmann now. Uh, the next question by Mr. Sixty Percent asks a lot about Robbie Russo. Um, I'm just gonna we're gonna pass that forward to Michelle to answer on the prospects report next week because she will be able to give a way better answer than any of us. So, uh, not ignoring your question, just uh, not gonna try to answer outside of uh, my our knowledge base. I could Kyle, have. Have you been watching? A sh- have you been watching a shitload of Griffin's games? I mean, I don't I don't watch the Griffin's games, but I know what kind of player he is by watching him at Notre Dame, but. Let, let Michelle do it because she watches every Griffins game. She's probably the best to do it. All right. Uh, James Weiss wants to put us in a good mood after uh, the shit's gone down. Uh, what was your favorite cup-winning season and why? Uh, his was 96-97 for what it's worth, although he didn't say why. 08-09 because it was the best team ever. They didn't win. 07-08, you mean? 07-08. I'm sorry. Whatever. Is it Penguins fan? Dick. Yep. <laughs> Graham? Uh, I was 97. It was the first one. It, the first one's the best one. First is the best, always. Um, plus, I'm a little older, so um, I kind of experienced the you know the late '80s when they just kept getting their faces caved in by Edmonton, um, and then the early '90s when they just couldn't figure it out despite having a boatload of talent. So, '97 was kind of like a, a payoff for uh, a lot of years of being either close and just not kind of getting there or um, not having a lot of talent and just not being able to put it all together. Yeah. Uh, this question is like picking your favorite kid. And by that, I mean, it's something that's totally possible. Uh, I'm going to go the next year because uh, Steve handing the, the cup to Vladdy is just seared into my happy memory banks as uh, just basically the coolest hockey moment I've ever seen. <laughs> Yeah, for me, 97 was, it was like that because he did the, Steve did the victory lap around the Joe by himself, which you don't see. And it yeah. was that, that moment of him and the fans, because I mean, he was the long serving player that, you know, kind of everybody said couldn't win. And for me personally, I mean, Eisman was my childhood hero. So to see him win, it was like, that's it. I've, I've seen everything I need to see as a hockey fan. The only thing I said was, uh, I just need to see him in the hall of fame, which was a given. So, uh, yeah. I was like, yep, that's, I, I, I'm a happy hockey fan now. Yeah, see, that's the way it works for me, too, because the Russian Five are basically what made me uh, a huge Red Wings fan, so it makes sense. And then, you know, you can't forget the the next cup when uh, Luke Robitaille got to lift it. That was real special. Mm-hmm. Red Wings legend. Achik. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, R. Sizzle wants to know, why are Wim so awesome? Should that be why is Wim so awesome? It should be. Uh, use one sentence each to describe why you are awesome. Go. Kyle, are you awesome? Why is Wim I'm not. Awesome? <sighs> Kyle. Oh, come on. You guys agree. <clears throat> uh, no, I'm fishing. awesome. I'm just awesome because I have... compliments here. No, no, I'm not. Uh, I'm awesome because I have a, a dog, a cool dog. That's about it. Graham, why is Wim awesome? Why are you awesome? Why am I awesome? Um... Wim is awesome because we uh, don't fall into hot take territory. Do we not? Uh, not you know what? If we do have a hot take, there's a reason for. It. All right, that's like fair. we explain that's fair. it. It's not we don't have a hot take for the sake of having a hot take. We have a hot take because it's what we genuinely believe, and we'll lay out the reasons why we believe it. 
Yes. We will sometimes tongue in cheek hot take, but we do it very hot and very obvious. Yeah, I mean if we're if we're trying to to you know, kind of make a point that maybe the hot take is the wrong take, it's it's pretty clear that we're fucking around. Yeah. Wim is awesome, uh, because we live among the fans. We are the fans. That's um you know that I was talking to uh to to Kyle the other day that it's it must be so much easier to write recaps for the Red Wings when you are, say, a Toronto Maple Leafs fan or you're a digger who doesn't particularly care about the way the team goes. Uh, it's hard to write these losses, and that's that's what we are. We are fans of the team, first and foremost, who uh, like to share this experience with our readers. That's what makes us awesome. That was the quietest slam dunk I have ever heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. I was checking a little bit over here too. All right. Uh, TK in Korea wants to know why don't the D jump on the rush more regular, more regularly? Is it the players or Blashill system? I think uh, part of that is a personnel issue. I, I think if you look at a lot of the players that the Wings have, they don't. He mentions he or she uh, mentions that DeKaiser and Smith do it from time to time. But I mean, with DeKaiser and Smith, you're talking about two of the faster skaters. Um, and in Smith, probably the best puck handling defenseman of them. I mean, he, of all the wing defensemen, if you were to say, you know, who's the probably the best offensive one, it's probably Smith. Green has got that reputation, but he's kind of lost a step, so he doesn't uh, he doesn't join the rush nearly as much. Plus, he's usually playing with Smith, so that's why he's probably usually covering when Smith does join the rush. Yeah, um, I think there's that. I also think that uh, they their in-zone defensive system doesn't lend itself as well because the forwards and the defensemen don't switch off as regularly as they do with other teams. Um, they are a little bit more structured as far as keeping the puck to the outside and kind of forcing those low-percentage shots from the tops. Um, so every once in a while, the defenseman who is not the guy who's tasked with clearing out the net front uh we'll get on one of those rebounds where he is in a better position to move up ice than the forward who is just covering the guy who took that shot um and that's usually most of the time that's when you see a defenseman join the rushes during that time um but it just doesn't happen nearly as often and i don't think they jump up in the offensive zone after the rush as often because I think that they spend a lot more time having to change behind the plays because they spend a lot more time kind of defending in their own zone. Like, they don't play as wide open as Dallas does, so there aren't as many opportunities for the defenseman to be that late guy coming on a rush um, because most of the time they're recovering from having to run around their own zone too much. Yeah, one thing I've noticed that uh, the Wings do a a lot of defense is that as the the forwards on the other team are kind of entering the zone, the wings are are they seem to be and maybe this is just my own my eye testing thing, but um, they seem to be very passive at the blue line. So they don't do a lot of standing up at the blue line and kind of force those turnovers to then get a quick transition going the other way. They seem to almost kind of collapse down um, where they're basically getting to the faceoff circles, and then that allows the forwards to come in maybe get. A low, low percentage shut off, and they're just kind of relying on their goaltender to make a save. But, you know, to your point, then if they don't get a rebound or if they get caught on a forecheck or something, they're they're hemmed into their own zone. So, which prevents they they don't they you don't see that quick transition game from the wings anymore. Because even when they do get it, 
you kind of watch a lot of times they'll just kind of they'll just kind of pass back and forth maybe they'll set up behind the net they'll they'll take their time to set up a rush yeah they don't take as many chances trying to fly out of the zone because they're trying not to turn it over and end up back in their own zone uh Arsizzle wants to know if you get to choose one thing in the offseason which would it be uh four options here number one uh trade or wave luke glendening um Two is sign a top six forward who will score between 15 and 25 goals. Three, sign a number three or number four defenseman who's better than Quincy. Or four, Helm, Richards, Quincy are guaranteed not to re-sign. I'll take the last option. Yeah, that's where I was going too because that allows you the most flexibility. Yeah. Uh, Glendening is a, he's cheap, so whatever. It's not that big a deal. Uh, for now. Signing a top six forward who will score six to fifteen to twenty, like unless the guy's going to score thirty goals, I kind of don't care about bringing in another forward as much as I care about trying to develop a forward into being that guy. Uh, we're chock full of three, four defensemen. I don't want to, like, I, I guess a marginal improvement over Quincy would be a good thing, but I think, yeah, making getting rid of Helm, Richards, and Quincy uh, is is the best choice there. I, yeah, I think, I mean, that, that for number two with the, the top six forwards score 15 to 25 goals, I mean, really, isn't that what we expect Mantha to be in a couple of years, yeah. in theory? I mean, it, it, we, I think we actually expect maybe a little bit more than that. I, but if he if he is a 20-goal scorer, then that is a good thing. Yeah. Um, Bill H. asks a kind of long, angry question that I think is better for the offseason in regards to the cap problem, so we're just going to shelve that one till later. Uh, Operator Z, how much time do we, as rabid, foaming at the mouth, crazy-eyed fans, give Blashable tearing his guts out like a wounded duck? You give him three years, like just give him until the end of his contract. Yeah, two years at least. I mean, you know, look, if we're seeing kind of the same issues midway through next season, then you can certainly start to maybe say, hey, you know, what are you doing? But I mean, sixty-five games in, you can't you can't judge him based on this yet. No. Not to the degree of wanting him gone, which is I've I, actually seen people say that. I can't judge a coach with a an aging core of players like the Red Wings have right now. I like I cannot fully judge him. I, I just I, I I don't feel comfortable doing that. I will go the crazy impatient fan and say I'll give him until the trade deadline in 2017, and that's I think that's as that's as sane as you can get while still being crazy about the this shit about how, you know, we've, we we screwed up, we, we got a fire blast or, or shit like that, tearing his guts out. Uh, I, th- I think it's apparently ridiculous to talk about doing that at all this season. I think it's, it's absolutely missing the forest for the trees, um, especially with how many adjustments he actually has made. And what Kyle said way back near the beginning of the episode where, um, like, he has made adjustments. It's a learning process. It's get over it. Uh, back to Octopus Connoisseur, looking at the rest of our schedule, there are a lot of winnable games. How many wins do we end the season with? There's 17 more games left for us. I don't know. Think we get 10 wins? No. Yeah, that would be above our 17? base so far. No, nope. yeah. we're, not, we're not winning. Nine, nine wins, 41 they end up with. Nine wins. Basically a 9-8 and eight record? Yeah. Yeah, that would... they'll go 9-6-2 uh, nine, nine, the rest of the way. So yeah, that gets us in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The Birdman wants to know uh, some of the wing struggles coming from Blashill using Babcock players. Uh, basically, does he still not have the right team to implement his golden ideal? 
I mean, the Babcock players are what guys like Jonathan Erickson, right? So Luke Glendening is the pro. Luke Glendening. I mean, player. yeah. I mean, Luke Glendening is also a, a Blash Hill player, so he really is. Um, I think I the think, difference between a Babcock player and a Blash Hill player is uh, is in the defense. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I think the Forge are the same. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I don't know much about what he did in Grand Rapids, but I mean, I think we touched on this earlier. He's He's slowly bringing the type of players that he wants. I think if, if there's one thing I've, I've noticed about Blashill, uh, based on the players that he's bringing that weren't Red Wings and Babcock was around, I, I think Blashill definitely emphasizes speed more than Babcock did. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, KDNE6 wants to know, uh, since he's going to a game this weekend, any advice for a first-timer? Just have fun. Just enjoy yourself. Don't yeah. worry about the score. Just, just have fun. Drink beer. Buy a hot and ready pizza at the Joe. Yeah, love your life. That's that is all. the best Little Caesars pizza you will ever eat. I yeah. just, guarantee it. Just, just, just take it in as an experience. Score is, you know, the game will be what it will be. Um, just, you know, if they if they score a goal, go crazy with other fans. Um, walk, walk the conks. I would. I mean, the first thing I did, the first time I ever went to the Joe, I just walked around, just kind of yeah. looked yeah. at everything, and just kind of you just take it all in. Walk around outside. You know, just ex- experience the city. Have fun. Yeah, if have you're fun. not if you're not enjoying the game, there's like ten thousand other things to enjoy. Just enjoy those, and just make sure you enjoy your time. For God's sake, stay in your seat during play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one too. Unless you're in the last row. Yeah, then who cares? But don't block yeah. other people's view and yell at people who do it to you because it's yeah, it happens in every arena and it drives me nuts everywhere. Eight legged owl uh, wants to know. Uh, Basically, would you rather face Washington or Tampa in the first round? Washington. Yeah, my good. If you beat Washington, then you beat then you beat the best in the East. So I'll take Washington. Your odds are probably just as good. So I would rather lose to Washington than lose to Tampa two years in a row. Yeah. If if that's what's going to happen, I I would rather beat Tampa than beat Washington. But I'm not confident enough in that, so I'm I'm taking Washington in the first round. Yeah. Plus, if you play Washington, then you're in the you're in the Atlantic, uh, or excuse me, the Metropolitan draw, which means you're probably getting the winner of the Islanders and Rangers in the yeah. second round. I'll take which one of those is yeah, probably sure. a lot better than than Boston, Florida. Yeah, yeah. From, from okay. a matchup perspective, so you yeah, I mean, you take out the best team in the East, and you've probably got an easier road to the Eastern Conference Final. So yeah, Washington, why not? Plus, you know what? I mean, I'm not one to to necessarily believe in in superstitions or reputations or everything but i mean washington does have that playoff reputation and they're they're going to have like the weight of the world going to be on their shoulders in the playoffs regardless of who they play because of the regular season that they're having so it's i mean this regular season is great i mean we've seen nothing like it since the 96 wings and if they flame out in the first round it will mean nothing yeah and being the team that would do that to them would just that would be so delicious <laughs> yeah all right. Um, would a Tangrady-sized duck or a goat-sized JJ win in a fight, Kyle? Well, a, a I, I'm passing on this question. I'm not answering any more of these questions. <laughs> I'm done you, with this. You coward. A goat-sized nope. JJ would have like, like, I mean, be a human. So a Tangrady-sized duck is basically pretty limited in what they can do. A, a goat-sized JJ has thumbs and could hold a weapon. So goat-sized JJ. Yeah, that's the right answer. I'm way smarter than ducks, even if ducks are big. 
I'd uh, I'd kick his ass. You sure you don't want to weigh in, Kyle? You don't want to agree, uh, disagree with that? I'll just go with it with everybody else says. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Pro V wants to know if uh, being put on the, the trading block would affect the confidence or commitment of Brendan Smith. It would honestly, like, if a I don't see how a player goes. Oh, I'm on the trading block. I must. I. I I'm. I'm gonna be way better. Like, I don't know. I don't. I don't see um, in any situation where that works out. That, that's just my opinion. I th- well, it's a pride thing, right? I mean, <clears throat> if a player gets placed in a trade on the trading block, um, they're thinking either they're going to think one of two things: either I'm not playing well enough, in which case they're going to want to play better just to get in the lineup. I mean, the trading block, being on or off the trading block, if they're not in the lineup, they're going to want to be better. Or um, it's a, hey, I've got value, and maybe there's another team out there that will want me and will play me more. So I think it could actually maybe increase the confidence. Plus, I also believe, and this is purely anecdotal, but I bet that the players will get chips on their shoulder after being traded as a, eh, you didn't want me. I'll show you, you jerks. Yeah. Um, I don't think Brennan Smith has ever. Hasn't he been on the trading block for like years now? So whatever. Hasn't really been playing that much better. So doesn't really mean much. I don't know. Score goals, Brendan. Just score goals. Or stop them. Or stop them. Just something. Do so. I'm so sick of just talking about your Corsi. Just score. Stop making us. Stop making us look bad for defending you. JJ, what else you got? JJ is gone. All right. If we missed your questions, we are very sorry. Um, sounds like JJ just kind of had a little bit of a technical difficulty. So we're just going to jump into the road ahead. Um, well, there, the re- there is. I was going to say, if we want it, there is one more question. Okay, what is it? And I'm not. I'm not looking at the comments right now. I'm sorry. Go All ahead. Right. All right. So the last question is uh, from WJR. Assuming the salary cap stays the same or if it edges downward, is there a likelihood of the uh, Board of Governors meeting to discuss compliance buyouts? If so, how many would each team receive? I don't see compliance buyouts happening unless we look at a serious change. I don't. I personally think there would be compliance buyouts because, I mean, we've only ever had them when – there has been a new CBA. Right. And the terms of the salary cap and how the salary cap is calculated have been have been altered. The the way the salary cap is determined is not going to change. There there are there's always been a possibility that it could either stay the same or go down. And if you make if you are over the cap for the following year, I think the Board of Governors they're probably just going to, hey, tough shit. You know, you knew this was a possibility. Yeah. You didn't plan accordingly. It, it's a lot different than coming out of a, um, out of a, a into a new collective bargaining agreement where, where they say, here are the new parameters around which the, the salary cap has been determined. You have all these old con- contracts that were signed under a previous collective bargaining agreement. We're going to give you an opportunity to kind of get compliant so you can, here's two free ones. Right. Um, I I don't think I I could I I would be very very surprised if compliance buyouts were offered. 
Yeah, I mean, I, the way I look at it, and it's I put it into a, a real-world perspective, which is usually the, the wrong way to go about it just because it's sports. It's not the real world. Um, you know, let's say you take out a loan for a car or a house, and uh, it's a little bit more than you can, you know, budget out without living comfortably. And you're really banking on that really nice raise that you're going to get. And uh, at the end of the year, you don't really get that raise. And then you go to your boss or your employer and you say, hey, I was really hoping that you'd give me that. And the boss goes, well, that's not guaranteed. So I don't know, man. Deal with it. That's your problem. That's exactly how I look at it. You know, you can give a guy like Jonathan Erickson $4.25 million until the end of time. You know, that's your mistake. That's your problem. It's your job to be a good general manager. It's your job to be under the cap. If you can't do that, then maybe you shouldn't be a general manager. So, how many compliance buyouts did I get in 2005 after the full year lockout? Was it two? Hi, JJ. I was two, right? They're not giving two compliance buyouts for the cap going down $4 million. No, that's not happening. No. I mean, they lost They're half a year. They're likely not giving one compliance buyout. Uh, I don't know why the owners would necessarily be okay with it. I don't. I think the NHLPA might accept it, but um, compliance buyouts hurt players too. So I don't. Yeah, I think it's it's going to be a tough shit thing. And if they get compliance buyouts, then Ken Holland isn't going to use it on in a good manner anyway. So whatever. <laughs> he's not going to use it on the players we want him to use it on yeah he's not buying out erickson Mm -mm. so uh moving on to the um the road ahead just to close out our podcast tonight uh we have a busy month and for the rest of march um it's very busy and very crucial and we have four games until we speak to all of you wonderful people again um guys just real quick what do we feel like our four games win loss record is going to be uh, so we got Columbus on the road, the Jets at home, the Rangers at home, the Leafs at home. That Leafs game was the second of a back-to-back, although it is more than 24 hours break. Um, I really want to get three wins out of this. I think we're going to go 2-1-2. Two, and two. Uh, I'm currently real down on the concept of beating Columbus uh, later tonight. Um, just because the last time I think the Red Wings had a game where it's like I really wanted them to come out and kick a bad team's ass was when they had Vancouver tired and they were well-rested and they lost that game. So um, I think we beat the Leafs and I think we beat the Jets. I got uh, we beat the we uh, beat, I, I got the same thing. We're going to somewhat the same thing. I, was, I think we go 2-2-0. Two, two and zero. Uh, We beat the we beat the Jets and we beat the Leafs. Uh, I got three and one. They're going to lose to Columbus, and then they're going to rip off three straight wins. All right. Well, guys, any final hockey-related thoughts before we close out tonight? No. Uh, uh, the Blackhawks are one hundred percent useless to the Red Wings this year because not only did they beat them twice, they then lost to Boston in between. So they really fucked the Red Wings over like a bunch of jerks. Well, that's probably what they wanted to do. So whatever. Fuck them. Yeah, Who cares? they threw that game against Boston. Yeah, that was a terrible game. I watched it in hopes that they would eat Boston alive. And yeah, they, they sucked. So whatever. As always, fuck Chicago. Um, if you are a Blackhawks fan listening to this, then I don't know why you're doing that. Why? Um, <laughs> anyways, guys. 
thank you again for another wonderful episode of Winging It Motown Radio. Until next time, I'm Kyle, JJ, and Graham. I am not all of us, but, you know, whatever. Just have a nice night and just try and enjoy the game tomorrow. Thanks. I'm Kyle. Winging it.